Hey, good to see you tonight. Welcome to Centerpoint. If you're new with us, I'm John. I'm lead pastor here. And for some of you, I, I just want to say welcome back because it's been a while. And I think maybe you were waiting. Hey, hey, open kids and I'm there. I'm with you. And here you are. And so, you know, before when Anne was saying, thank you, God, for CP Kids being open, I'm also thinking we should say thank you to everybody who's serving in CP Kids because there wouldn't be that happening if there wasn't a bunch of people stepping up. So... Hey, I wanted to just uh, share something before I get into the, the main message today, and it's just this. It's that in a few weeks, we're going to be reopening the Venue One Worship Center and on March 28th. So if you're new with us, you might wonder what in the world this is all about. Well, uh, for the last year, our Venue One area has been under construction while we've been renovating it and expanding it. And uh, it's, it's been a very big deal, especially in light of everything that's been taking place over this last year, that that's been happening anyway. It's kind of been in the background uh, going on. And, and I just want to sort of shepherd in, a, in this moment right now, because in three weeks, we will be in that new space. And it's going to feel new. It's not going to feel exactly like it used to. And I just want to prepare you now. I, I know that all of us uh, that have been a part of Centerpoint, we remember what it was like before and maybe even have great memories and, uh, and certain places where that was our chair. You know? <laughs> and that's all a distant memory now. But I do want you to sort of mentally get yourself ready for the fact that we're going to, if we want to, go back inside and it will be different. I just want you to sort of tell yourself that now. It's going to be a little different and that's okay. It's actually going to be pretty exciting if you ask me. It's going to be uh, probably the best parts of what you loved from before still there, but oh wow, there's space for more friends in the back. And that's kind of the basic, uh, what we've done there. But uh, I want you to know, here's what we'll do over the next few weeks. Uh, over the next few weeks, I want us to first and foremost enjoy this moment because it's a unique moment in the life of our church. Never in a million years would I have thought, oh yeah, we're going to spend a whole year where we're going to be having church kind of outside one week and under a tent another week and on a trailer in the parking lot another week and then, you know, in the rain, it's going to be 117 one day and we're going to try to get swamp coolers going. It's going to be awesome. Like I never would have thought that was going to happen, but it did. And guess what? We've made it. We've made it. We, we've made it, but part of what that's required of us has been a, a degree of flexibility to say, okay, this is a, it's another change up, it's a little different again, and, uh, and I'm, I'm going to want to relish in this moment. I have a feeling we're going to look back on these days and go, that was really special. God, it, kind of like, I mean, this is, it's not to such an extreme, but kind of like the people of Israel when they're in the wilderness and experiencing the pillar of fire and the cloud by day. And, and, and I'm sure the people of God would look back and go, yeah, that was tough, but my gosh, it was so unique how God was moving in our midst in that time. And so we have another three weekends to just cherish this, to just remember the goodness of what it was like when we had to be a little bit uncomfortable, where we had to be a little bit out of our comfort zone and, oh, it's a little hot today and, oh, it's a little chilly right now, but just cherish it because it's a good thing that we're experiencing it's a good thing and it is about to get 
better. And so I'm excited about that. But uh, the week of the 21st and the 22nd, what we're going to do is that will be our last weekend of meeting over here. That weekend, uh, they tell me that by that weekend, even though it won't be done done, it'll be done enough that we can open the doors to venue one and have a kind of an open house. Because I want you to get the chance to just get familiar with that place before you're suddenly just in a worship service in there. I think that's important. The place matters. And I want you to be able to have a, a chance to sync up your heart with the place. Because it's different than this place. And so that's what we'll do the weekend of the 21st and 22nd. We'll have an open house after service. You can go over it and check it out. And uh, then on the 28th, we're going to have our first weekend together in that new space. And uh, we'll be having communion together that weekend as a way of saying that's what this place is about. The reconciliation uh, between God and man that comes through Jesus Christ, Savior and Lord, in that place. And so that's how we're going to roll the, the days forward. And I just want you to have that on your mind. And then April 4th, it's Easter weekend. And... We're going to have a grand opening, invite everybody we can, and suddenly it's going to feel like, whoa, what happened to Simple Church in the Grass? And so I just want you to mentally, emotionally kind of get ready for that. This is me as your pastor shepherding you a little bit. I, I don't want to overestimate, but I also don't want to underestimate that when we, when we walk through changes, it, it has an effect on us. So I want you to just know in advance that's what we're going to be doing together. I feel excited about it. I think we're going to enjoy it. And also for others of us that are thinking, wait a minute, I'm not ready for inside. We're going to have our patio experience kind of like here, but it'll just be on the other side of campus in front of venue one. So that's what's going to be happening. And I hope that, uh, that you're excited about it. I am. I think it's going to be good. Okay, so uh, speaking of excited about it, this morning we were uh, doing a prayer hike with a bunch of the guys that are in the men's ministry. It's Saturday morning, 7 a.m., we meet on the bridge at the end of Vineyard Parkway. It's for anyone. If you're thinking, hey, I didn't get the invite, now you got the invite. Come on, come on, you're welcome. But uh, I, I was up there this morning on the hill with a group of guys, and some of the guys were just praying. I didn't ask anybody to pray this way, but guys were praying with passion about that new, uh, that new building or the expanded building and going back in there. And their prayer specifically was, God, we want to see everybody in Murrieta come. We want everybody to be able to taste of your goodness in that place. So God, bring them. Bring them, God. And I started to feel a little bit excited, like, wow, if God answers that prayer Woo, it's going to be on, right? It's going to be on. Anyway, I was thinking about it. This, uh, this men's hike that we do often, on New Year's Day, the men decided to go not just a third of the way up to the lower peak, which is kind of an easier, it's more like a walk. Uh, but on New Year's Day, they wanted to do a sunrise hike to the very top, to the peak. And that, that takes about an hour and a half. And, and it's, a, it's a good one. It's exciting. It's fun. But uh, this year on New Year's Day, I couldn't do it. I was still recovering from surgery. I couldn't get up. Uh, that, I couldn't really do much walking. And, but I felt bad I was missing it because I knew that what they were going to do is they were planning to go to the top of the mountain and do what, what I would have done, which is to blow the shofar on New Year's Day to say, God, we declare victory in your name for our lives, right? And I, I hated to miss out on a moment like that. But so anyway, these guys were going up there and... I happened to live over on this side of town, and I knew that they were going to be up there at about 7.50 or so in the morning, or 7.30, whatever the time was. And, and so I texted um, Eric, who leads our men's ministry, I said, hey, man, right before you guys are about to blow this shofar and, and start screaming, you know, 
could you just text me, let me know it's coming? I want to see if I can hear you guys. And so I went out in my backyard that, uh, that morning, and I'm just waiting in my backyard. And then he get, gets me the text. He says, we're about, is it, we're about to blow the shofar. And I just got quiet. And I just looked up. I mean, I don't know which peak they're on, but I'm just listening. And then I hear it faintly in the distance, this you know, of the, the blast of the shofar. In case you're wondering, what is a shofar, if this is all new to you? It's a ram's horn, like literally a horn of a ram that you blow into like a trumpet, old school, Old Testament style, right? And these guys, and I heard the, and then I heard, hallelujah, like these 15 or so guys like shouting at the top of their lungs. From way down here, it was like very faint. You, like if you weren't really, really listening for it, you would have not have heard it. But but I knew what I was looking for. I was seeking out to hear the sound of that shofar. I was seeking out to hear the sound of my brothers shouting praise at sunrise on the mountaintop. I was seeking to hear that sound of celebration and consecration. I, I was seeking it. And because I was seeking it, I was able to distinguish it and hear it and experience it. And what I wanted to tell you today is it is time. If you haven't been already, it is time to change up your life and to begin to seek the Lord like never before. It is time to begin to set your sights on who God really is and allow the love of God to fill you. It is time to seek him and allow your soul to experience the refreshing that really only comes in his presence and can't ever be satisfied by any fakes. It is time to set your ear to the ground, so to speak, and to listen for what God would say. It is time to be a person who seeks the Lord in the morning and seeks him in the night. It is time to adjust your way of living so that you're seeking the Lord because his word says if you do, if you seek him, you will find him when you seek him with all your heart. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And, and I believe there's an invitation for us and I hope that you'll hear it. But in order to accept that invitation, I want us to open the Bible together. And so hopefully you brought a Bible or at least you brought a Bible app, and you could open up to just to Second uh, Chronicles 15. And while you're turning there to Second Chronicles 15, how many people happen to have been reading Second Chronicles this last week? There's like one or two of us. Okay, yay! <laughs> For everyone else, let me just kind of step back and make sure we have the big picture together. So, big picture: this is the time during Israel's history where God's God's vision really wasn't actually happening. Did you know that's a possibility? What God's vision was is for his people to be united, and united in particular in their love for him, in loving him well and being loved by him well. God's vision for his people was that his people would worship him in spirit and truth and give their whole hearts to him and live in the blessing of that flow of the love of God that comes when people are seeking him together. That wasn't taking place. Instead, God's people, the Israelite community, had begun to drift into idolatry. I don't think they woke up one day and said, hey, I got an idea. Let's start worshiping false idols today. It, it, it probably was a gradual drift, but it got them somewhere to a point where they were full-on worshiping false idols. The Israelite community, God's holy chosen people, just drifting far away. And during this time, every once in a while, there would be a king who would come to power who would be a good king. And what we're about to jump into today in 2 Chronicles 15 is about this, 
this moment where a good king rose up. His name is King Asa. And King Asa, for whatever reason, he, he caught wind of the spiritual heritage of his forefathers and decided, no, no, this, this matters. And even though he didn't have the complete picture yet, he, he leaned into that impulse, which was from the Spirit of God, to, to be seeking God somehow, some way, some, some form or another. And uh, as he did that, God showed up in an amazing way. And this one moment that we're about to look at it is a moment just after the Israelites had had this big conflict with the people from down south, the Cushites. And it was going to be a knockdown, drag out battle. And it was fierce. There were hundreds of thousands of troops coming against each other. It was that kind of a, a, of a season for the Israelites. And it looked like the Israelites could lose this thing and lose their land in the process. That's the backdrop is, is a fierce moment of intense battle. And uh, they ended up, because of Asa's leadership and God's blessing on their lives, they ended up winning this massive battle. And, and after they won this massive battle, they're coming back to town like the way people who just won a massive battle would come back to town. Yes! And where's the food? Like that, probably. Okay, that's not in the Bible, either of those two things, but that's what I see. And, and they're coming back into town. And while they're coming back into town, this, this fiery prophet runs out. And he just runs out like unstoppable and meets them halfway back into town with a message from God that they had to hear. And it, it, it's something that not just they had to hear, I think we got to hear too. And so this is the, uh, the message that that prophet had for them. It's uh, in uh, 2 Chronicles 15, verse, verse 1. It said, Then the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, son of Oded, and he went out to meet King Asa as he was returning from the battle. Listen to me, Asa, he shouted. Listen, all you people of Judah and Benjamin. The Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. Can you just imagine this fiery prophet with fire in his eyes like running up against? Listen, the Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. And then to this group over here, listen, the Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. Uh, and he's over to this group, shaking their shoulders maybe. Listen, the Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. And like, you couldn't probably have stopped this guy, Azariah. He just had to get up. He couldn't wait for them to come back into town and have the celebration meal. He had to catch them while they were still on the road. It was the fire of God inside of him. He had to tell them, I need you to know. The Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. And then this next part, why don't you read it out loud with me. When you seek him, say it, you will find him. Say it again. When you seek him, you will find him. So this prophet, he's running up and down the ranks of all of these soldiers who are coming back from battle. And I believe that same prophetic voice running up and down the rows of these chairs right here, right now. And the message is the same. When you seek him, you will find him. When you seek him, you will find him. And that message came through. Listen to me, King Asa. Listen, all you people of Judah and Benjamin. The Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. Whenever you seek him, you'll find him. But if you abandon him, 
why are these words there in the Bible? I think you need to acknowledge something. There are moments that you read things in Scripture where you have to acknowledge, wow, that is a powerful verse. But there's tension between what is spoken here and what is spoken by Jesus in the New Testament who says, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Which is true? Both. They're both true. And Holy Spirit is the one who gets to lead you and I in understanding where those words apply and where we land with, within those two extremes. But the words of the prophet, if you abandon him, he will abandon you. For a long time, he's still prophesying. For a long time, Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach them, and without the law to instruct them. But whenever they were in trouble and turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him out, they found him. Do you see what he's doing? He's just simply reminding them, saying, we can't forget. This is our spiritual heritage. This is our legacy, and it's your legacy too. If you'll think about it in your life, isn't it the truth? That you've had these seasons of your life, if you've been around the block, spiritually speaking, for a while, where you didn't know what was going to happen, and you began seeking the Lord, and he showed up. If that has ever happened for anybody, I want you to just give him five seconds of praise right now, because he showed up in your life as you were seeking him. And the prophet is saying, and we can't forget about it. We can't afford to forget about his faithfulness. We can't forget about how he's come through. We can't forget about the ways he did show up. We can't forget about when it was hard, how he allowed his hope to keep carrying us. We can't forget about what he did to get us over that impossible wall. <laughs> and, and this prophet is looking at these troops and, say, and saying as much. Say, oh, you can't forget this is what God did during those dark times in verse 5. He said it wasn't safe to travel. Problems troubled the people of every land. Nation fought against nation, city against city, for God was troubling them with every kind of problem. Whew. But as for you, be strong and courageous, for your work will be rewarded. And when Asa heard this message from Azariah, the prophet, he took courage and removed all the detestable idols from the land of Judah and Benjamin, and in the towns he had captured in the hill country of Ephraim. And he repaired the altar of the Lord, which stood in front of the entry room of the Lord's temple. That last verse, uh, you, you could put it back up on the screen, just that last verse, that, that last part of it, and I want us to, uh, you, you're going to have to throw it back, there you go, um, Read it with me just from he, from he repaired. Ready, go. And he repaired the altar of the Lord, which stood in front of the entry room of the Lord's temple. He repaired the altar of the Lord. This is one of those verses that if you want to, you could just read it real quick and on to the next. Give me something more exciting. I want to hear something good. But actually, this is something good. He repaired the altar of the Lord. And to me, I, I keep, I don't know, keep reading these words and, and feeling you know, convicted about these words and, and sensing like that there's something that Holy Spirit wants to say just through these words to you and me right now, right here. That there is a way in which not just King Asa needed to repair the altar of the Lord, 
but ways in which you and me need to also repair the altar of the Lord. Okay, so my first thought about this was, yeah, yeah, of course, because, man, we've been in this season where as a church, we haven't really been able to meet together like normal. We're about to go back into the venue one worship center, kind of altar of the Lord. We got to work hard to finish that up, repair that altar of the Lord, and felt like Holy Spirit was saying, well, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. But, but that's not really what I'm talking about to you right now. <laughs> like That's my own experience with the Lord as I'm reading this text. And, and I feel like what God is saying is my people, my sons and daughters, me included, you my son and all my sons and daughters have an altar in my presence. And that altar needs for some of us to be repaired. The altar of the Lord. He repaired the altar of the Lord. This, uh, this series that we're doing, it's called Jump. And it's just an opportunity to, to, to call us as a church body to jump into the relationship with our God that we're made for. And to, to jump into it. And to not be on the fence anymore. And for some of us, we've been kind of on the fence a little bit. Like on the fence in the sense that you know, well, I like the idea of going to church once in a while, and I like hearing that nice uh, song or two and a decent talk that's inspiring. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. But we're on the fence, in, in a sense, saying, I don't know if I want to get too fanatical, though. I mean, those people jumping around and with their hands in the air, like they just don't care, all of that. I don't know, you know. On the fence. And on the fence about, well, I mean, I'm glad somebody somewhere might tell someone about Jesus, but I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'll ever do that. That's, uh, we're on the fence about, you know, yeah, generosity, that sounds good. Somebody should bring some cookies for someone. But tithing, are you serious? <laughs> I mean, we're on the fence. And I wanted to just say in this series, in so many ways, jump. Jump off the fence. Jump off the fence. Just jump off the fence. You're, you're trying to live in two worlds. You're trying to live in one, one foot in the kingdoms of this world and then the other foot in the kingdom of God. And, and you, you, you're not going to do it. And it's time to jump in, into the kingdom of God, into the reality of God's love and power in you, for you, through you. And, and, and really, in order for that to happen, I think this altar repairing needs to happen. So uh, if you're wanting to know what the main idea of this message is, it's just simply this. That I seek the Lord, and I receive strength and love from the Lord. I seek the Lord, and I receive his strength and love. And, and I'm putting that as a declaration that I hope you'd embrace uh, by the time we get to the end here. But this is simply the, the point of this message. I, I seek the Lord, and I receive his strength and love. I want that to be true in my life more and more. I want that to be true in your life more and more, that you would live a life in which this would be true about you, that you would be able to say, that resonates with me. I seek the Lord, and I receive his strength and love. I, I want you to just say that with me. See, just try the phrase on for size even. Just say it with me. Ready? Go. I seek the Lord, and I receive his strength and love. If you and I can embrace that as a way of living, I think we're going to be transformed in the process. But back to that, uh, that altar repair. I want you to put back up the end of verse 8 again one more time. Benjamin and the, uh, captured the hill country of Ephraim, and then it says, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which stood uh, in, in, 
in front of the entry room to the Lord's temple. He repaired the altar of the Lord. What's an altar? An altar is fundamentally at the core, it's a place for meeting with God and bringing an offering to God. And, and if you could view it from a New Testament perspective, an altar is a place for meeting with God and bringing your whole self to God, where, where you're offering your whole self to him and receiving all of his love and goodness and favor and power in your life and strength in your life as you love him. And the altar, what I find is that for a lot of us as believers, the altar is something that, uh, that we have a familiarity with that sometimes leads to that altar being in disrepair. In, in some of our stories, there was probably a moment where we first came to know Jesus. And you didn't have to tell us to be grateful for the mercy of Jesus. Oh, we, we, we would lie there in our bed and just think about how grateful we were for the mercy of Jesus. And you didn't have to tell us that, it, that, it, that, it, that it's good to praise the Lord because we had gratitude just bubbling up, right? And in a sense, that, that is in part the altar. And there's a first love altar that I think the Lord wants to see be repaired among us. And I'm talking to you if you've been a believer just for a year or two. And that, that way you felt a year or two ago when you first began to awaken to God's beauty and love for you, and, and the, the way of, of meeting with God and expressing your affection to God, it, it's time for the at altar to be repaired. I'm talking to you if you've been walking with Jesus for 20 or 30 years now, but in a way, things have become a little bit just rote, and you kind of go through the motions a little bit. But it's like the Holy Spirit is saying, would you seek me? Would you really seek me? Would you repair the altar of first love? I, I mean, I hope you can hear this. It's going to mean something a little different for every one of us. But this is, I believe, a word from the Spirit for somebody and for actually our church. Like, repair the altar of first love. Repair it. Do not settle for going through the motions. Don't settle for, yeah, I just like my church service. No. Don't settle for, oh, and now we're going to get back to normal in our nice, pretty building. No. Repair the altar of first love. That, that place where you would say, I will throw my hands in the air because I will sing a song out loud alone in my house to the Lord. I will shout his praise in the great assembly of everybody. I will love the Lord my God. I will linger in his presence. Even if I don't know the next thing that's going to happen, I will stay in that place of awareness of what God is saying and what he's doing. I'm asking you to choose to repair the altar of first love. And here's what I'm asking you to consider. Is there any way in which the altar of first love in your spiritual life has become broken? And maybe it's been broken by the weight of cynicism. Maybe it's been broken by the weight of affections that have been stirred up that really aren't for the Lord or, or something that he really has a passion for for you to have. Maybe the altars become broken by 
the disappointment. <laughs> Maybe the altars become broken by the pain inflicted on you by uh, some of God's people. Maybe that altar's been broken by the, the way you've put yourself into allegiances that aren't in, in the things of God. I don't know, but I'm asking you to consider where the altar of first love may have become broken. And would you ask the Lord, what is it that has broken my altar of first love with you? And Lord, how do I repair it? How do I repair it? How do I repair the altar of first love? We, we had a thing in our house where um, I needed to put an electrical outlet in the bathroom on this wall where we didn't have one. And I thought, okay, well, on the other side of that wall, there is an outlet just behind back there. This will be easy. <laughs> Somebody who's done something like this knows where I'm going already when I said, this will be easy. There's an outlet right on the back over there. I'll just, yeah. So I knew what I would do. I would just open up the wall, put a hole in, and pull the wires through, and put the outlet in. Bada boom, bada bang, bada bomb. It's done. I had it. it repaired. Done. Well, I opened up the little hole in the wall, and then I saw there's a stinking two-by-four right there, right in the way, right where I, and the, the outlet on the other side is just on the other side of that outlet. Come on, like, Murphy, get out of my house, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, how do, I, how do I do this? I already cut my little hole, and I, how, do I, how do I do this, you know? <laughs> YouTube, that's how you do this, right? <laughs> anyway, I knew what I needed to do. I, 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 I bought a, a, a special device that takes your drill and puts a 90-degree angle on it, and I shoved that, I bought that $20 tool and used my drill, and it drilled sideways. It's such a cool experience if you've never done it before. Like, wow, it's like going sideways. Wow. I put the hole right through that thing, and then I did easily pull the cables, and bada-boom, bada-bang, bada-bam, it's done. I did it. Repaired. Outlet. In. Do you know that feeling like when you've done what you set out to do and it actually and I plugged it in and it worked? <laughs> I was like, yay! But seriously, and, and probably for days I was like hmm, looking at that out like, hmm, yay, I did that. Got it going, and the power is flowing. Yeah. And in a sense, like what I want for you and me is to experience the altar of first love being restored in such a way that we experience just the delight of it. The, the delight of, it's working, it happened, it's flowing. His love is flowing, I can feel it. M my affections for him are flowing, and I can feel his delight in the connection we have. His, God's delight over you. It, it, is, it is so crucial for you and me to learn how to live this way. But for some of us, it's time for that altar to be repaired. The, the first love, wh where you didn't have to wonder whether you were going to love God or do something else. But for some of us, the drift is real, and it's time to come back. It's, it's time to come back and see that altar repair take place. That altar, again, it's, a, it's a, figuratively, because we're looking at this from a New Testament perspective, it's about meeting with the Lord, offering ourselves to the Lord. There, there has to be fire on that altar. The fire on the altar is what allows the altar to do its thing. So I'm asking you, is there any on yours? Fire on it. What I know is that sometimes that when there should be fire on the altar, instead, 
it, it all just begins to be a sopping wet mess where fire can't burn and it gets to be a sopping wet mess when I get all caught up in all kinds of other things. I didn't set out to have my affections be all about the new awesome car. I didn't set out to have my affections be all about this bigger, better deal. I didn't set out to have my affections be about how much in this bank account and how much in that one. But somehow that kind of stuff happens. If we aren't watching for the fire, it, that can happen. And then we wonder, why do I feel so distant from God? Because the first love altar has become broken, maybe by the weight of affections that are set on something, someone other than the Lord himself, who's the one who satisfies. So how are we going to repair it? How are we going to repair it? I, I, I think we need to figure that out. And I think we need to hear what that prophet said. To, Az to Asa, the prophet Azariah, again in, in verse, uh, verse 2, he said, listen to me, listen to me, Asa shouted, uh, he shouted, listen all you people of Judah and Benjamin, the Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. Whenever you seek him, you'll find him, but if you abandon him, he'll abandon you. Whenever you seek him, somebody say whenever, whenever, whenever you seek him. Whenever you decide, I'm setting my affections on him right now, whenever. And there's no asterisk that says, except for then. Don't do it then. That would be awkward. No, whenever you seek him. You're in the middle of a royal mess that you're about to make in your life. Right then, seek him. See what he might do when you do. You're in the middle of a struggle. You don't know how you're going to make it. Whenever, right then and there, seek him. See if he doesn't begin to reveal something to you that allows the pressure to be relieved. Whenever you seek him, it, the scripture says, whenever you seek him, you will find him. Whenever. Right there when you're, you're dealing with that client, and they're being ornery with you, and you don't know what in the world to say to them. In the inner place of that altar, you can begin to seek him, and you will find him. But... Our whenever needs to include something other than just the moments when we need something from him. I'm all for that. Seeking the Lord whenever we need something and we'll find him. Yes. But if you're really going to repair the altar of first love, it's different. It's about saying, God, you deserve my affections in the secret place. You deserve my attention when it isn't about me getting stuff I need. God, you deserve my, my offer of my love for you to flow from my heart when it doesn't even have anything to do with me getting my wish list of any kind. It's just about because you're amazing. That, when we repair that, we will begin to experience the joy of the Lord in increasing measure. Let me just share some things with you. Psalm 119, verse 2. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and who seek him with all their heart. I want you to just say that one out loud with me. Ready, say it. Go. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and who seek him with all their heart. Amos, in Amos 5.4 said, this is what the Lord says to Israel. Seek the Lord and live. Say those last words with me. Say it. Seek the Lord and live. I mean, if you, if you can embrace what God wants to do in your innermost being by 
simply a flow of his love. It'll be more powerful than what you could come up with by your own ingenuity. Seek the Lord and live. Jeremiah 29, 13, he says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with, say it, all your heart. And that's repeated, that's repeated. And it's like as though this is actually important to the Lord. All of our heart. The happy, shiny, good parts up over here on the top right side of it. And then the shadowy, uh, parts over here somewhere. All my heart. With all that I am, Lord, I seek you. And when I do, that's when the love begins to flow in full and increasing measure. Hebrews 11.6 says, It is impossible to please God without faith, and anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. 1 Chronicles 16, verse 10. Glory. Why don't you read this one with me? Ready, go. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Say that last part again. Let the hearts of those that seek the Lord rejoice. When you really begin to set a priority in your life of seeking the Lord, his joy begins to flow. It just does. That's the connection that you and me need. And it brings about something of God's glory in our lives. I remember back in the day, when, before I was married to my wife, I loved her. And I, I wanted her to know it. I, I didn't have to, but I wanted her to know it. I really wanted her to, to know it. And so I began to seek her in very practical ways. And in my seeking of her, it wasn't just to find, it was to make sure I could express in my seeking of her my affection for her. And, and so I would do things like go to her favorite restaurant, Kukaroos, and get the mac and cheese there that I knew she liked. And I would go to her apartment building and crawl over the metal fence that had spikes on the top and cut myself in the process just to leave it on her doorstep when she wasn't even there. Just so when she got home from work, she would see that and go, oh, <laughs> But, I, but I, I was seeking her, and in my seeking her, I was doing all kinds of things like that to just make sure that she got the message of my affection for her. And it did. It did have that effect that I was hoping for. I mean, she's here today. <laughs> By the way. It was like three weeks ago I mentioned something about, and Anna and I have been married for 17 years. And she looked at me like this. And then afterwards she's like, Whoosh, it's been 19 years. Okay, she didn't really <laughs> slap me, but <laughs> 19 years. The seeking and the bringing of the affection. What, what if all that was was a distant memory in my relationship with my wife? What if that was the only time? That, that she ever received like those over-the-top expressions of my affection for her. That would, somebody up here just said, that would suck. And yes, <laughs> it would. Yeah. But in my relationship with my God, I don't want it to be a distant memory that there was a time way back when when I really loved him. And now I just settle for, well, I'm going to heaven one day, so I'll, it's all good. No, I want to I live a, a life where I'm, I'm seeking God and receiving his strength and love. That's the invitation. 
want you to put that main idea back on the screen, and I want you to just say it one more time, and you just say it like a, like a declaration, and say it nice and strong. Ready, go. I seek the Lord, and I receive his strength and love. Let's say it again. I seek the Lord, and I receive his strength and love. Say it one more time. I seek the Lord, and I receive his strength and love. I think that some of us have some altar of first love repairing to do. I'm urging you to do it for your good, for your enjoyment of the Lord, and for your spiritual health, for your joy, for your peace, for your healing, for your lifting, for your hope. Repair that altar. Isaiah 55 says it like this. It just simply says, seek the Lord while you can find him. And call on him now while he's near. Seek the Lord while you can find him. And call on him now while, while he's near. For somebody, it, you, you came to church tonight or you joined online for church today and, and here you are. And what God wants is for you to accept this invitation to seek him and to call on him while he's near now. And for somebody, what I really mean by that is that it's time to call on the name of Jesus Christ and ask him to forgive your sins and save your life. And as you call on him, the simple heart of faith to say, Jesus Christ, I'm asking you to forgive my sin and save my life. Let him. Watch how he lifts you by the power of his love. And so I want us to pray together for a moment. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this moment, this fiery, crazy prophet dude, Azariah, just running out, saying, you got to hear this. You, whenever you seek him, you'll find him. And so, Lord, I thank you that what that led to is this moment of King Asa just realizing, we've got to repair the altar. Something, there was some sort of a connection between when the prophet said, when you seek him, you're going to find him. And then Asa said, we've got to repair the altar, that place where we offer our our whole self. And Lord, I pray for some of us that we would be able to repair the altar of first love. And so first, Lord, we want to say together, any way in which we have drifted into being a bit complacent, maybe even being a bit apathetic, forgive us, God. God, where the altar of first love has become broken by the weight of many distractions. Lord, we're asking for you to forgive our part in that and help us now, Lord, to push those things aside and to repair the altar of first love. So those of you who are believers who would accept this as a challenge from Holy Spirit, and for you, what I said tonight didn't even touch on the reality of what God's been speaking to you right now. But, but if you would say, this is me, and it's time for me to restore the altar of first love, and it's getting real specific now, because I'm praying that Holy Spirit would speak to you. If you would say, that's me, that first love altar has gotten moss growing over it. It's, it's in disrepair. If you would join me in saying, I accept that, and I want to repair the altar of first love, would you just raise your hand as a way of saying, God, I see that, and I want to repair the altar of first love, where I can bring my whole offering of all my affection to you. And with your hand up, I bless you, church, to repair the altar of first love. 
to repair it, to get back to that place where instead of looking at, at social media for 30 minutes first, that you would spend time in the presence and beauty of God first. Where, where instead of just uh, jumping quickly to how you're going to solve all the problems, that you would just stay, just stay in those moments where you would just simply say, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord. And we just say it together without any embarrassment, without any shame. We just let the song flow out of us, a song of real affection for God because it's the secret source of strength. I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord, I love you, Lord. Oh, I love you, Jesus. This kind of thing, like just this kind of thing. It's a little awkward, right? For some of us, we're going, where's the lyrics to that song? I don't know that one. I didn't either. <laughs> it's, just, it's just about saying, well, what was it like when I had first love that was awakened me? It was like that. It was like I didn't need to wait for somebody to put a lyrics up for a song. I just couldn't even help it. I just couldn't even help it but to begin to say, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And, and watch what happens when you let that first love altar be restored. And, and it's no longer about checking a box of religious duty, but it's about real life with God personally. Watch the refreshing that takes place. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would allow for some of us that first love altar to be repaired so strong that it could carry the weight of the destiny you actually have for us to live out in this world. And for some of you, for you to live out the actual destiny God has for you, it, it can it has to be sustained by a fire of love for God that's burning on the altar. It has to be. You don't want to just be one of those empty shells of a person who's just doing a bunch of things, but it, you're, you're spiritually empty. You don't want to be that girl. You don't want to be that man. You want to be the one who's got the fire on the altar burning, the fire on the altar burning, and the love for God that's flowing. The love for God that's flowing. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, you're so good. For somebody else, I want to pray for you because the truth is, this is all a little bit crazy, different, weird to you. But what you really need to know is that God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to offer his life for you so that you could be forgiven and given entry into the kingdom of God now and forever. And, and this is a gift, this gift of salvation is offered to you. And in this moment, as you're hearing about this good news that there's a way to really live and it's through Jesus Christ, it calls for a response. And you're invited in this moment to put your trust in Jesus, to ask Jesus to forgive you and save you. And if you do that, you will be forgiven and saved now and forever. And so while we're praying together, if you're with me right now and you're, you're saying, I need to ask Jesus to forgive me and save me, I want his gift of salvation. 
if that's true of you, and right now you would say, I need to do that. I need to ask for his gift of forgiveness. Right now, would you just simply raise your hand up really high? That's you once and for all finally saying, Jesus, I need you. I'm asking you to forgive my sins. And with your hand raised, or if you're watching online, you just type it into the comments, I'm giving my life to Jesus. And with your hand raised, you just pray with me and say, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. I'm turning from my sin and I'm turning to you. Jesus, would you forgive me and save me and be the Lord and Savior of my life? I'm yours from this moment on. Thank you for your mercy. And I pray in Jesus' name. And we're all together. We all say amen. Would you stand up? Would you stand up? God, we're honoring you. We're loving you with our whole hearts. We're praising you with all that we are. God, thank you for the gift of the altar of first love. And I declare it with prophetic strength in this moment. It shall be repaired. For Center Point Church as a whole community and for individuals among this body, that first love altar shall be repaired. I declare it with prophetic strength right now. We will not be empty shells going through religious motions. We will be people with fire on the altar burning for your glory, with love for you that's flowing, love for you that's growing, there's fire on the altar, glory to you Jesus, love and honor to your matchless name, glory to you God, glory to you God, come on lead us in praise and let's sing out to him, let's give him our awestruck our awe worship in this moment. Praise you, God.